Welcome to the Marketing That Generates podcast hosted by yours truly, Lauren Powell. For over a decade, I've partnered with business owners around the globe to create and implement their digital marketing strategy. Working together with their teams, we generate more leads, more customers, and more revenue. I'm here to make your business growth simpler by making online marketing simpler. Every week, I'll be interviewing other business owners about the strategies that are keeping their marketing relevant in the long term, so they're not hammered by monthly algorithm adjustments. So are you ready to generate more leads, better leads, and more sales-ready leads online while making the most of your oh-so-valuable time? Then this is the podcast for you. Are you tired of being promised the magic pill that's going to solve all your online marketing challenges? Well, this podcast does not promise quick overnight fixes, nor a one-size-fits-all marketing formula. Instead, it will empower you to think differently and more strategically about your marketing so that you get better results. So whether you're a business owner, solopreneur, or an aspiring entrepreneur, listen in and subscribe for zero fluff and actionable takeaways. And for bonus resources, go to marketingthatgenerates.com. In our current podcast series, I interview the owners of four very different travel businesses, and we dive deep into their marketing. Today's episode is the third of that series, and I interview Anne Lowe, creator of Low Luxury Travel. Anne has a rich family heritage and travels as often as she can. Originally starting as a food and travel blogger, Anne shares her path to owning her own travel agency. In this podcast episode, Anne talks more about her approach to designing memorable travel itineraries, as well as what luxury travel really means. And Anne explains how she finds new clients for her business. And there's definitely some great ideas in here that you can use as inspiration for your own marketing strategy. So tune in and don't forget to visit the show notes to get all the links for this episode. Thank you so much for being here, Anne. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, like you, I really love to travel and you've built this incredible travel agency business. And I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your unique approach to travel and specifically what luxury travel means to you, since I know that's what you specialize in. Yeah, that's a a great question. I would say, I guess my approach to travel is just to make the world accessible to those who want to explore and experience it. You know, the approach when it comes to clients is the the most important thing for me is to really understand the client's interests and kind of what drives them, you know, in order to tailor the trip specifically for them. Um, I'm very lucky to have incredible partners throughout the, the world that can help me design the itinerary. So ultimately, it's just really understanding what the desire is for this specific trip relating to the client. And that is really the main focus. Um, when working with clients. And then my personal approach to travel is, you know, I really have a desire to soak everything in um, at each new destination that I go to. And my main focus anywhere I go is to try to have one, at least one experience that's unique to that specific destination. So I can connect with a local, you know, whatever that may be. And, you know, the question regarding luxury travel and what that means to me, it's, you know, luxury travel, I feel like has evolved, especially in the last several years or decades, you know, it used to be just a five-star hotel, maybe a suite with like a marble bathroom and, and a butler. And, and I feel like now that's really, really changed. And so I think ultimately it means being able to have, you know, of course, travel well, 
but to have options or just the resources available in order to have a truly memorable and unique experience. Um, so of course, you know, having access to nicer luxury accommodations is a component of it, but it's not just staying at a five-star luxury hotel. You know, in some cases you might be staying in a, I don't know, really nice tent in the Sahara or, you know, on safari or somewhere. So it's just really being able to to have a really customized experience. That's, I find really fascinating because I think typically what someone thinks of when they think of luxury travel is, oh, it's a five-star experience with that marble, marble hotel uh, mm -hmm. bathroom. And recently, for example, you posted um, about this raptor at one of your stays in Ireland that it was a Falconia experience, you know, and that's what I think of when you mention it's so much more than just your stay. What else is included? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that was really one of the more more unique experiences I've been able to have. And I've been, you know, pretty lucky to to travel to a, a lot of amazing places and stay in some of the best hotels in the world. But it's those experiences that really make it much, you know, just more memorable. And and in that case, too, I was able to like be three feet away from an American bald eagle, which here in the States would be nearly impossible to do, you know, so it, it, it's those experiences that I think really elevate it to that true luxury you know, profile where it's, it's really customized and it's really unique. Yeah. And so you mentioned that that's kind of at the heart of everything you do is customizing that experience for the individual. I presume that a trip you might plan for, for example, me would be very different than a trip you would plan for someone else based on their unique needs. And so I'm assuming that that all gets wrapped into your service as part, part of it is diving into what makes someone tick and, and what is going to be an exciting vacation for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if you don't really listen to your client and what their interests are and what they're wanting to get out of the trip, I could really, you know, if, if you tell me, like, if I didn't know that you didn't like to do active outdoor activities and I book a trip to, let's say, Ireland for you, and I fill it up with a bunch of like hiking experiences, it's, there's going to be a huge disconnect, you know? Yeah. So I think really, ultimately, it's just it's listening and understanding what each client wants out of the trip in order to be able to really tailor it to them. Absolutely. And so, you know, when someone's thinking about planning a vacation and thinking about possibly hiring you, is it typically for special milestone trips, international trips, national trips, all of the above? Yeah, it's it's really all of the above. And, you know, I, I have people that come to me and have said, you know, oh, I, I did this trip, but I didn't reach out to you because it wasn't, you know, what they in their head is think is luxury or, you know, whatever. And, and I let them know like, oh, well, you know, I could have helped you with this, this and this. And so I'd say if someone in order to, to qualify or to at least think, okay, could I be a good fit? You know, if someone's already booking, let's say five-star accommodations on their own, they're definitely a, a good candidate um, to use my services because in that case, I can complement and elevate the experience that they're having even within that resort or hotel. So essentially they pay the same as if they're booking on their own because I get access to the same rates or sometimes better rates. Um, but I am able to add hundreds, if not sometimes thousands of dollars worth of value um, on the back end, you know, thanks to the relationships that I have with the hoteliers and the amenities that I'm able to include, you know, which usually include uh, or you know, include complimentary breakfast daily upgrades, you know, and, and 
when you check in or sometimes like upon booking resort credits, sometimes including, um, you know, transfers from the hotel. So from the hotel to the airport. And then occasionally I have access to um, complimentary nights that might not be available on the internet. So, you know, clients that are or people that are already booking that way, it, it never hurts to check with me and say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know, is there something that you can help me with? Or if I book through you, can I get a better experience? Which, which usually is yes. And then, you know, if somebody's already, let's say doing like full blown trips where you're booking accommodations, they're, they're booking transfers, they want guided experiences and tours and all of that then I definitely can help them on that end just because I'm able to really cut down on the clutter. You know, I think the biggest thing I hear from, from people is, you know, I just don't know who to trust online anymore because there's thousands of reviews and you get really good reviews and really bad reviews within the same resort or tour guide or activity. And so it's, it's, I can very quickly narrow down, you know, who's going to be the best person depending on what the client is looking for. And even within, within the budget that they're working in. Yeah. And so on that note, you have traveled many, many, many places, uh, many of which I'm assuming your clients are also traveling to. Do you feel like building those relationships on the ground is really helps you, uh, kind of, serve your clients better and also you've experienced maybe a little bit of what they might experience when they go on the trip too. Oh, definitely. I really, it's what I've realized about working in this industry. It's not so much what, you know, it's, it's who, you know, because the the great thing when it comes to, you know, hoteliers and, and tour operators is I have personal contacts with people, like with the resorts that we're booking and the hotels that we're booking and the tour guides and the drivers. And so it's just, I'm able to make it a much more personalized experience. And and once I'm able to meet with these partners, whether it be visiting their hotel or like in my last, the Ireland trip I just did, I actually hired, you know, a tour guide and driver with one of the companies I use all the time just to kind of experience everything for myself. So, because it helps me better explain everything to the client and, and just let them know what to expect when they arrive, you know? Um, and there's little quirky things that sometimes you wouldn't know about unless you actually experience something for yourself, whether it be like, you know, where a hotel is located or I don't know, um, like a nuance, you know, of, of the destination. And so, um, you know, being able to travel and, and have those relationships with those partners is, is crucial really in, in order to be able to, to make a difference in, in my clients' trips. Absolutely. And I also like your phrase about kind of clearing the clutter, because I do think that in between those Instagrammable moments that you have on any vacation, right, there is can be some downtime or some transit time or some kind of extra that doesn't always need to be there because you didn't really know what to expect from the trip. And you being able to do that probably is such a gift for your clients. Absolutely. And also, yeah, you know, there's like you mentioned, the Instagrammable moments and there's like some the one that comes to mind are like the rainbow mountains in, in Colombia, you know, where I think a couple of years ago, they were like all over Instagram. And, and occasionally when I have clients ask about it, it's like, yes, we can make it happen, but it's a 10 hour trip to get there. There's no easy way to get there. And, and, you know, you're not seeing that on Instagram you know, where people are like, Oh my God, we took a bus or a personal driver and this is what it cost. And this is like what it took. And, Oh, when we got there, it was raining. You know what I mean? Like there's just, 
I think kind of setting, helping, it helps set expectations too. So clients know, you know, what to expect more or less. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking about a similar experience going to Teotihuacan um, outside of Mexico City. And a friend was asking me, hey, we have a really short trip to Mexico City. Like we were thinking we'd go do this. And I said, you know, you're only in Mexico City for a couple of days. Like don't spend <laughs> a whole day going. I mean, it's beautiful and amazing. And I highly recommend it for a longer trip, but not, not if you only have a couple of days in the city and there's so many amazing things to see there. Yeah. And they don't realize how far it is and yes. just the amount of traffic there could be in a city like, yes. like Mexico City. It's crazy. Yes. Which speaking of, you grew up in Mexico City and have a really rich background that I assume fueled some of your wanderlust and, and why you like the magic of travel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was born in Mexico City and I lived there till I was three. But thankfully, I have family that lives there. And so growing up, we would go every summer and every Christmas, um, you know, to visit family. And when I was in high school, so I grew up in McAllen in like a small city um, in South Texas. The year between my junior year and senior year of high school, my parents decided to send my brother and I to visit family in the northern region of Spain, like the Basque region for, I think it was like a two week or three week trip. And I was so upset with them because I had a boyfriend at the time and I didn't want to be far away from him for that long. And I had never really left the States other than just Mexico, you know, to, to visit family and go to the beaches. And so I had never been to Europe, didn't know what to expect. And so I went begrudgingly. I mean, there was really no option. And once I got there, I it was like my mind was blown. I just could not have imagined how beautiful the area would have been. My luckily, my aunt and uncle that live there have a like a summer home in Bacchio, which is just north of um, Bilbao, more or less. And so it was like a thirty-minute drive. I was like, "Why do you have a house out here?" But anyway just stunning the, the the beach the cove it's really close to where they actually filmed game of thrones where dragonstone is like in the in the series literally like 25 minutes away from the steps and everything so just a really incredible eye-opening experience for me it was pretty much transformational uh, transformational and that that really was when i was like okay i really need to to get out more and and travel and and see what else is out there. And, and that was kind of when I, I caught the, the travel bug. Well, I, I know Bilbao and Bacchio actually pretty well because I lived there for a little bit um, and it is stunning. So I can see why you, <laughs> I can see why that just blew your mind and, you know, opened up your eyes to a whole new world. And, and things are so different when you get outside of the States, even when you travel among the States, but it's so broadening to go see something different, right? Than what we're used to. Okay. So you did that. And then tell me a little bit about your journey from there to travel agency owner. Cause I know there were a little bit of twists and turns. Yeah. There, um, it, it took a while to, first of all, you know, this, this career is, is, is a career that I didn't even know existed until it, you know, I was lucky enough to, to meet a girl who's now a good friend of mine, Chelsea, well, long story short, I, I, I did banking. My, my background, you know, even in college, I got my degree in economics. I got a minor in finance and accounting. During college, I got a job at a bank. And of course, when I graduated with my whole background, like I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I needed to get a job. And so I got a job as a financial planner 
for about two years and then made the transition to private banker at a really amazing uh, like Texas bank that's really well regarded and treats their employees incredible. Like I had a, a great almost like 10 year stint there. But I, I always had this like yearning for something else and kind of needed a creative outlet because of course this job was very um, analytical and just kind of, I feel like one-sided. And so that's when I started my blog and, and kind of took advantage of Instagram at the time because this was before all of the algorithms were in place. And so kind of learned how to game the system a little bit in terms of, you know, growing my following and, and leveraging that for at the time, I mean, marketing purposes, but really just promoting my blog. And so through that, I was able to be invited to influencer stuff. And that's how I got invited to a two night stay at the Lake Austin Spa Resort. And that's where I met Chelsea. And I was looking at her Instagram and this girl who also was several years younger than me was traveling the world. Like I think like over 200 days just out and about. And she was staying at like incredible hotels, resorts, et cetera. So I was like, look, you travel really well. Like, what is it that you do for a living that affords you the ability to to do this? Because for me, I was I was paid very well. I loved my job. I loved the people that I work with, but I just was like so limited on vacation time and I just wanted to to get out more. And so I was trying to find a job opportunity where I would be able to have like a flexible working condition where I could work from anywhere, but you know, still make a decent living. And then so she was like, yeah, I'm a luxury travel advisor. And I was like, what? Like, this is the job, the dream job I didn't know existed. And like most people I talked to, I didn't know the travel advisors or travel agents, you know, still existed. And so I was like really intrigued by that, especially the luxury focus, because of course, you know, who doesn't like to travel well if, if they can. So I asked her a bunch of questions and it kind of was on the background, just like watching what she was doing, you know, um, would get together with her occasionally, but just following her on social media and seeing where, where she was going. And, you know, so she started talking a lot about travel advisor stuff. And finally I made the decision to leave the bank and I had done some, some stuff and I figured I could do social media management for several like local businesses. Um, and so I did that for a little bit, but I was like, you know what, in the back of my head, always thinking like, I want to do this travel stuff. So finally I approached her and, you know, she was like, look, it's a really difficult job. You know, it, you see all of the glamour and, and the great things about it on social media, but it's a lot of work. It can be very stressful. You know, there's, there's nights where you might get a call at two in the morning because a client who's in Europe might be stranded or something might've happened and they need to get a hold of you. She was like, but I know you're capable of doing this and you have a really good network because of you know, the job I had just had in private banking and the clients I had. And so she was like, if you want, I'll, I'll be happy to introduce you to my agency owner. And that's kind of how it all started. Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, it's so funny sometimes, you know, looking back on our journey, because when we're in the middle of it, it's hard to see where it's going. Right. And I'm sure you felt that sometimes when you were in banking and liked it, but wanted something more creative and then started your blog, you probably initially didn't really know where that was going to lead. No. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of document or, and that's why it was called the, the hungry chronicles initially is because I wanted to chronicle where I was eating and where I was traveling just for fun. Really. I wasn't even trying to be an influencer, or, you know, like do anything really with that, but I was able to leverage it once I made the switch to, to luxury travel, which was kind of serendipitous. Absolutely. And also what a gift to 
have someone to kind of tell you the ins and outs of a career before you make the leap. Because sometimes I think it's easy to glamorize, hey, here's all the pretty fun stuff <laughs> and not know, not fully know what you're getting into until you're in it. And so I, I imagine that really helped you to make an informed decision about, yeah, I can handle that. Yeah, no, it was it was helpful. And, and I'll tell you too, just the people I've met in this industry, I have so many friends, even locally in Austin that are also independent contractors like me who all work for different agencies and just like the, the community of uh, how helpful we are to one another. Cause essentially you can think, you know, if we're going after clients in Austin, then we're kind of competitors, but we don't even see it that way. It's like, we support each other. We help each other out. It's, it's these people are some of my best friends. Like it's just been really amazing to have that kind of support, especially and I think, you know, with any new person that, that joins this industry, having known that the challenges and, and how hard it can be at first to become established, like you just, you want to help other people. Yeah. And I typically find there's more than enough business for everyone. And if you take a more collaborative approach with your quote unquote competitors, it really is a win-win for everyone. I 100% agree. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the other thing I just want to say is, Almost everyone I know that owns a business had some sort of pivot like you did. And I think it was really smart to tap into your network from your previous career to help kickstart this career. And I think sometimes it's easy to overlook that, hey, I've already done so much hard work building a possible customer base. Like, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily starting from scratch. For that, you know, it really, thankfully, I think, because at one point there was like at the beginning, I, I kept thinking like, man, I wish I knew about this years ago, because I would have wanted to do this years ago. But, you know, if it weren't for my time at the bank, you know, almost 10 years and, and working with a lot of the clients that I had were bank clients since even before I started. And having, you know, once somebody trusts you with their money, they pretty much trust you with everything else. And so, you know, if I didn't have those relationships established, then I don't think that I would have had to trust you know, the people wouldn't have, like my clients wouldn't have trusted me to, to now book their trips rather than, you know, just like manage their money. And the same for all the COIs and referral sources that I ended up gaining over the years, you know? And so, um, you know, I, I do think that things happen for a reason. And, and eventually I was able to see, you know, if I, if it weren't for this other career I had or other job, I don't think I would be in the same position, um, in some cases, you know, thankfully there is social media and, and how I've leveraged that to to get new clients. But a lot of it really, too, was, was the relationships and the network, as you said, that I had before. Yeah. And you're still managing. I mean, you're not managing people's money in the same way, but they're still trusting you managing their money and their time. It can be a big investment, too. It's not, you know, some of these trips are tens of thousands of dollars. It's not just like a drop in the bucket. You know, it's it's a lot of money. And, and that's why sometimes this job is really stressful is because these people are trusting you with not only an incredible experience, but with a lot of money too. So you, you want to make sure that, you know, you can do the best for them. Yeah. And also maybe a trip they've dreamed about for a long time or have, you know, really high aspirations for. So I think you have an amazing journey and you talked a little bit about leveraging social media to get in front of new people who weren't in your network. I love your social media. I, I think, <laughs> I think it was beautiful and you do a really good job with it. Is that kind of your primary channel right now where you still try and get in front of new people or are there other things that you're leveraging as well? Yeah. So, you know, 
LinkedIn. So before, before I left the bank, you know, obviously because LinkedIn is, is a professional social network, I did try to connect with as many people as I could on that, um, via that channel, both clients and the COIs that I had, knowing that I would probably need to leverage that platform regardless of what I ended up doing, you know, with, with a career change. So that was really helpful. I'd say the, the biggest ones, I mean, have been social media, LinkedIn and, and Instagram and Facebook, just Instagram because it's so visual. And then Facebook just because, you know, I got on Facebook as soon as it was available. And so, you know, you build a network on accident via there. And then the only, the other big thing has been even just having a newsletter, which is like so simple and basic, but you know, it, it, it makes a difference when you can stay in front of people at least on a monthly basis and send information that's inspirational and educational. I always get some sort of reply from at least one or two clients after I send the newsletter saying, Oh, you know, I've been thinking about going to this destination or, Oh, you know, just over Thanksgiving, we were talking about taking a family trip to blah, blah, blah. And so it's a really great way to stay top of mind without necessarily like selling each time. I hundred percent agree. And I think, I think sometimes people think that it's social media or a newsletter. And I see them working hand in hand, not one or the other. And you, to be honest, you have a deeper relationship most of the time and a little more better control of inbox placement than you do on social media algorithms just because they change. And a hundred percent. So I always like to think about like social media, you're getting in front of people, but then we're trying to deepen that relationship. And if we can get them on our newsletter in some way, shape or form, whether they're past clients, current clients, or people who download your uh, travel guide trends. Like, I just think it's a really smart strategy. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been really, it's necessary. It's been the best, one of the best ways to get, you know, staying in front of people. And the good thing too, is because the the newsletter is, is somewhat robust, you know, there's different topics on there. I can always recycle the content on there on social media. So I'm not having to reinvent the wheel every single day and come, try to come up with new content and, and ideas, you know, to talk about. Yes, absolutely. And I do want to just highlight, like LinkedIn is such a smart place for you to play because you know that you could typically filter by types of careers that people have. And most of the time you get bombarded with B2B messages on, on LinkedIn. Like it would be such a breath of fresh air if someone reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, Hey, I saw you like to travel and I just want to know if you had any big trips coming up and if you might need my services. Like I, <laughs> I get spammed all the time there for like software and other stuff. And I would just be really excited to have someone like you reach out to me there. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, each platform is different. So if you know how to leverage each platform, depending on the audience who's on there, then I think it can be really effective because at the same time, you know, I had a lot of clients that were like C-level clients that obviously are going to be on LinkedIn way more often than they're going to be on Instagram where they may not even follow me on Instagram. So even just reaching out to them and saying, Hey, I remember you guys would occasionally do these trips. Um, you know, if so-and-so is still your assistant, cause a lot of times their assistants would be the ones contacting me for some of their banking needs, figure out all of your, your trip planning needs, whether you're traveling for, for business or, or pleasure. And so, you know, that's, that's a really easy way to get in front of people from that perspective and tailor messages that way of like, Hey, get me in touch with your assistant and see how I can help elevate your, your travel. Versus, you know, on Facebook, it's going to be like my mom shares all my stuff, thankfully. And so 
I know that if I share something on Facebook, it's going to get in front of like a lot of her friends. And these are people that are in their sixties or seventies. And, you know, so each, each platform is, is a little bit different, but if you know how to leverage each platform from a marketing perspective, it can be pretty powerful. Absolutely. So that brings me to my next question, which is about two things. You have um, this really fabulous detailed inquiry form on your site. And I, <laughs> I think it's fabulous. I, you're laughing, so I'll let you explain that in a second. But I think it's a really great way for you to better understand, is someone ready for the next step? And am I the right person for them? Exactly. So that that's really the best way for me to qualify somebody that I haven't spoken to or, or don't really know. Obviously, if it's a client that I've worked with on several trips, I kind of know what their expectations are and what their travel style is and all of that. But if someone's not willing to take the time to fill out this form, I mean, granted, I'm, I'm happy to give them a call, but we're going to go through all of that information because that will give me a really good understanding of what they want their trip to look like. And then I can determine whether or not I'm a good fit for them. Because what happens a lot of times is, of course, everybody wants to travel well. You know, they everybody wants to stay at a five-star resort. Like, why wouldn't you? It's super comfortable. It's an elevated experience. It's, but if you if your budget doesn't meet, you know, it's, and it could vary from, from destination to destination. Um, for example, the Four Seasons in Paris is going to be probably $1,000 per night. Whereas if you want to stay at the Four Seasons in Cairo, you can pay probably $300 a night. So, you know, kind of knowing what the client's expectations are, but obviously talking to them about them and, and setting those expectations is, is really helpful. And I can get so much information from that intake form before I call them. And, and, and it helps me do a little bit of research too, so that, you know, once I am able to get them on the phone or a Zoom call, I'm, I'm not wasting anybody's time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine many of the people you're working with are pretty strapped for time. So they like to get right down to business pretty quickly. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest values I can offer, you know, when, when working with an advisor is just the time savings. Even if you know exactly what you want your trip to look like and you know where you want to stay, where you want to eat, like I can take the necessary, like the time required to get the bookings done, to set up the transfers, to help with the rental car, like all of the the minutia of the trip that ends up taking some time too. I'm able to take that off of your plate, which can save you hours. Yeah, or or more, or more. <laughs> yeah, hours in the planning, but also when you're there, can save you a lot of time too, and all of that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And you already mentioned your newsletter as a great way for you to stay in touch with your audience. So I guess my one question for you there is, have you found it hard to be consistent? Is that something I hear a lot? Or has that just been something that you are really good at saying, hey, no, I do this every month and it goes out no matter what? So it does go out every month, no matter what, but I, I have outsourced that just because it, it is time consuming, but I know how important it is. And, you know, for social media, it's, it's also, it's crucial to be consistent. That's one, because I did some social media managing, you know, in the past and I have had people come to me and say, Hey, you know, how did you grow your audience? Blah, blah, blah. And really one of, one of the biggest things is other than knowing how to use each platform effectively, it's just being consistent and it's easier said than done. Right. Because I can tell you that all day long, but am I posting daily on, on Instagram? No. Um, which I need to. And that's one of my goals for 2022 is just having a, a more of like a, not necessarily a content calendar, but 
more of a plan in place um, to help me be more consistent because I mean, right now I'm getting inquiries from Instagram, thankfully, and I'm not posting as often. So I just wonder, like, you know, if I was doing this more consistently, I probably would be getting more leads. And so, yeah, I definitely need to to have a better plan in place. I do think batching at least the plan where, like, you sit down and say, I have some idea of what's going out every month, even if you don't know the ins and outs of the creative can make it so much easier to be consistent because you're not just every day looking at, oh gosh, what am I, mm-hmm. <laughs> what am yeah, I putting in place today? Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Because I think, you know, at a minimum, what I try to do on, on social media and really it's Instagram is my go-to. It's, that's the one I post on most often. And that's the, really the only platform I kind of like engage in and, and look through stuff. And pop. so really just having like a Monday, I'm going to post about you know, I don't know if it's motivation Monday, for example, like, okay, well, what, what experiences can I post about that can be like inspirational? And then obviously educating my audience is an important component of, of my job, whether you're working with me or you have no idea that I exist as a, as a travel advisor, like how can I educate people about my services, about the benefits of working with me? And, and, you know, from there you can kind of expand it. And so even if it's like one or two sentences, at least I have some sort of content that I can post. And so just like sitting down and kind of writing that all out, coming up with the plan, like Mondays, I'm going to post about this. Tuesdays, I can post about this. Wednesdays, I can post about, I don't know, news articles. And, you know, especially right now with yeah. <laughs> COVID, there's tons of information I can be sharing related to how it could affect my clients or prospects or people from the travel, you know, anything. Anyway, so there's there's so much I can share. And it's just a matter of, yeah, sitting down and just maybe little bullet points to help me get more organized. Well, I think you're already doing a great job. Anything you do on top of it is just cherry on the top. But I, I do think there's something in what you're saying that our listeners can learn from primarily just because I hear this a lot, whether it's newsletter or social or whatever type of content people feel like they should be creating. But sometimes there's a gap between, oh, it takes so much time or I don't have a plan in place or I have other stuff I need to do. And I just think you're a wonderful example of of consistency and understanding how each channel works and what type of content is going to work best there. So I have one last question for you, Ane. If you had to give one piece of advice to another business owner who's working on their marketing and growing their business, what would it be? Just do it. You know, like in my situation, even though I feel like I'm not doing it enough, doing something, getting a plan in place. And, you know, maybe you can't post five times a week, but maybe if you post twice a week, it's, it's better than not doing anything at all. And of course, you know, if they're time strapped or just have, they feel like they have no idea what they're doing, outsourcing it is, is it as a way to get it done and working with somebody like yourself, for example, who knows what they're doing and how it can help the business. I, I feel like it's, it's definitely worth the investment to, to, to do it that way if, if need be. Yeah. It's interesting because I find there's a time and place for outsourcing, but I also find that sometimes trying to do it yourself first in the beginning can help you understand the ins and outs of the platform or what you're trying to do a little better, where sometimes I see people outsource, to be frank, a little too soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they don't they don't know how to properly manage the work, in my opinion, or or how to ask the right questions about the yeah, work. Yeah, that's a really good point. Or even to determine, you know, is this working? I mean, because 
For social media, like for me, even on Instagram, when I lose followers, I actually am happy because then I think, okay, well now it's the people who are still sticking with me are people who are truly interested in travel and in the services that I offer. And then when I get a slew of new followers, I mean, I don't even check to see who they are anymore, but I just hope that like my, my purpose and my reason for being on Instagram isn't to to gain new followers. It's to be able to leverage that, you know, as a platform in order to convert people eventually into a, like a, a trip. Right. So it's not about numbers anymore. It's about, you know, who are these people and, and how can I convert them essentially to become clients? Yeah. And I imagine that was actually a shift from when you were blogging and influencing when you are playing that numbers game. Oh, yeah. But and, and thankfully, I, I'm so glad I don't have to worry about that now because I still have friends that are influencers and some people who make a living out of it. And anytime there's an Insta- or an algorithm change, it's like the end of the world for them. And it's, you know what I mean? It's just like, I'm so glad I don't have to live with that stress of, of and also, you know, the self-esteem of like, oh, my goodness, my my self-worth is, is based on these numbers that I have no control over. That's not, it's not fair. You know, you, you can't do that to yourself. No, but I think your advice is really good, which is set a consistency you actually, or set a frequency you can be consistent with. And then if you need help, outsource it because it is important. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for being here, Ana. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise and your time. Where can our listeners go to learn more about your business and services? So they can visit my website, uh, lowluxurytravel.com. I have some some blog posts there related to travel. And then I also have uh, a list of services and frequently asked questions and all that good stuff. And then if they want to follow me both on either Instagram or Facebook, I'm at lowluxurytravel. Amazing. And all of those will be linked in the show notes. Thank you again, Ana. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. You just finished another episode of the Marketing That Generates podcast. I hope you found a few takeaways that you can put into action right away. If you want more on today's episode, head over to marketingthatgenerates.com for show notes, links, bonus resources, and related episodes. Plus, if you're looking to connect with other amazing business owners just like you, be sure to join my free community. You can get access at marketingthatgenerates.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you back here next week.